0: And so let's read about our gospel mission today and receive God's burden. God's burden and the faith that God has for us is this gospel mission. The gospel mission in South Florida. The title of today's message is Philip on Mission with the Gospel. Philip on Mission with the Gospel. So please turn with me to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to read through verse 40. I'm reading in the ESV, the English Standard Version Bible. Acts 8, 26 to 40. Get your Bibles, open them up. Get someone else's Bible, open it up for them. Begin to read silently as I read out loud. Acts chapter 8. This is the word of God. Nothing more important for you than to hear this. And by God's grace for me to explain it. And by, for, by God's mercy and grace for us to apply it. So let's read. Acts 8, 26. Now... An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he, Philip, arose and went, and there was an Ethiopian. An Ethiopian. Don't know if he looked like Moenwandi, but there was an Ethiopian. A eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Imagine that. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Imagine that. Wish I could have been there. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. So quite a bit of time must have gone by. And the eunuch said, See, Here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself as at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What a text. As I read this text, I think about Mo and Wandi. As you just saw, they're Ethiopian. The obvious parallel is, so was the Ethiopian. <laughs> I know. Now, the Ethiopia back then... Reference in this text, may not be geographically exactly where the Ethiopia of today is, but it's close enough. It's south of Egypt. It's an area populated by dark-skinned people, and obviously people who were God-fearers. You know, I think about Mo and Wandi, young Ethiopian men, smart, successful, living in the D.C. area, coming to the United States, pursuing the American dream. And just when it was within their grasp, the Holy Spirit called them, directs them, kind of like he directed Philip, to a bigger dream, to a bigger mission. The Holy Spirit directed them and directed their attention to the mission that Jesus gave the church. Where is that mission found? It's found in Matthew 28, on the screen here, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And you know what? Jesus, he is with us to the end of the age. The age hasn't ended yet. He's with Mo Wandi in Ethiopia right now. It's, it's afternoon in Ethiopia. But he was with them this morning when they were preaching the word. Just as he promised here in this text. And he's with us, friends. He's with us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, Jesus himself told his disciples the following. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is his presence. This is Jesus promising his disciples his presence. He would send the Holy Spirit, which he did on the day of Pentecost, and you will be my witnesses. Here's the mission, witnesses, those who are proclaiming Christ and making disciples by teaching all that Jesus had commanded. You will be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem, and all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Friends, the Holy Spirit directed Moenwandi's steps back to Ethiopia to make disciples by proclaiming Jesus, and he directs our steps here in South Florida, to make disciples by proclaiming proclaiming Jesus, and here's why. Here's the main point of the message. Here's God's burden for us in this message. The Holy Spirit directs the church in its mission. The Holy Spirit directs the church in its mission. He is the ultimate missions pastor, missions director. This is the ultimate mission agency. It is the church the church that is the pillar in support of the truth, preaching Jesus, declaring Jesus, demonstrating Jesus and how we love one another. Jesus, just as he directed Holy Spirit, just as he directed Mo and Wandi back to Ethiopia to proclaim Jesus, in a similar way, he directed us last night to Young Circle in Hollywood to proclaim Jesus. And I just want to thank everybody that came last night, responding to the Spirit's direction, directing you, directing your feet to that place as we put on Christmas near the beach. Thank you for being willing to come and serve an event that proclaimed Jesus very clearly and at times very powerfully. Church, there were so many of you serving with your red T-shirts, helping the crowd with crowd control, making sure that Santa didn't get run over by the fire truck, being kind to children as they stood in lines, manning our booth where hundreds passed through. I saw Fabrizio. I don't know if you're here this morning, Fabrizio, but wherever you are. I saw Fabrizio. If you're here, wave at me. All right. He's resting from last night. I saw Fabrizio there. He's just been visiting our church recently. And I greeted him and I said, hey, bud, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm just walking around handing out tracts and interacting with people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a man directed by the Holy Spirit. He is directed by the Holy Spirit in the mission that Jesus has given him, has given us, and God's intent in this passage is to encourage us afresh. Don't we need that? And empower us anew with the truth that God, the Holy Spirit, is here to make us willing and able to proclaim Jesus, just like many did last night. He directs us in our mission. The Holy Spirit is here today because he wants to make us and and keep us willing and able to share Jesus wherever, whenever, and to whomever he directs. So, As we dig into this passage, let's pray. Let's pray for God, the Holy Spirit, to direct us and make us willing and able to proclaim Jesus today. Lord, I pray that right now. Lord, even as there, in my own mind, Father, this morning, it's just been a morning of distractions and temptations to to worry and concern. Lord, I've been far more moved by the faces of men than I am by your face, and I ask you to forgive me by that. Lord, I pray right now that whatever is in our minds, God, you would come with your spirit and fill us with joy, true joy, at the prospect of proclaiming you and living you and seeing you and worshiping you. It's about you, Lord. Oh, forgive us so often for making it about ourselves. It's about you. Christmas, every day of the year, it's about you. So help me to preach this in a way that encourages my friends to be freshly, freshly empowered, freshly willing, freshly able to proclaim you, Jesus. Oh, help me in Jesus' name, amen. Point one, willing to proclaim Jesus. The Holy Spirit made Philip willing to proclaim Jesus. Look at verse 26. It is clear in verse 26 that Philip is not initiating here, but the Holy Spirit is initiating here. Look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. And then at the very end, verse 39, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Okay. The, Philip's not on mission because it's a great idea. Gee, what am I going to do with my life after I graduate from college? I'll go on mission for Jesus. No, no, no. no the Spirit of the Lord initiates and he begins to send Philip. And Philip then clearly is willing to be sent. Look at verse 27a. And he, Philip, rose and went. And then verse 30a. So Philip ran to meet him. Now, you may think that an angel would convince you to go, right? No problem. If an angel showed up and told me to go, I would go. But remember this. Philip was experiencing revival in Samaria What is amazing here is that the Holy Spirit took Philip away from fruitful ministry and led him to a desert place. Look at verse 26b. Gaza, this is a desert place. Listen, Gaza was the last watering hole on the road from Jerusalem to Egypt. Can we please show the map? It's impossible to read this map. You're welcome. But in broad terms, you see where it says Judea, all right? That's the Jerusalem. And you see where it says Samaria, another shopping revelation, that's Samaria. Okay, so up above Samaria, there's this little mountain called Gerizim. That was where that second temple in Samaria was that I taught about last week. that's where Philip was, and there was revival going on amongst the hated Samaritans. John and Peter went up from Jerusalem about 40 miles and they, they preach, man. And then walking back to Jerusalem, they're preaching, man. Now, guess where the Spirit sent Philip? Way down here in the bottom left. See where it says Gaza? And below that is desert. That's the last watering hole. So that's where the Spirit sent him. Just imagine this. Imagine that you're driving to Naples, which I love to drive to Naples. I love to hang out in Naples. It's a beautiful place. But when you're driving to Naples on Alligator Alley, there's this gas station as you're heading west, and it's the last gas station for the next 60, 70 miles. All there is after that gas station is swamp alligators, stuff that is uninhabitable, according to me. Well, imagine this, that the Holy Spirit sends Philip from the middle of a happening revival in Miami Lakes, tons of people, Spirit's moving. People are getting saved. And he says, I want to send you into the middle of the Everglades to preach to one person. Oh, who is that person? He's an Ethiopian eunuch. Actually, Philip went not knowing, but he found out soon enough. And that's what we have here, folks. So the fact that he went was a work of the Spirit. You see that? It's a work of grace like marketing techniques were violated, church growth techniques were violated. I mean, God just said, Holy Spirit said, I'm directing this thing, go. And Philip said, yes, sir. And he went. Now, look who he, to whom he was sent. And he rose, verse 27, and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. All right? So, a eunuch is a male rendered infertile through castration. They were often chosen to serve in high positions in the official court of the ruling monarch because they could be trusted. This Ethiopian eunuch was the treasurer of the kingdom. Imagine the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, imagine the chief financial officer of the largest corporation you can think of. This guy was powerful, this guy was wealthy and he had traveled 600 miles to meet with God in the temple of Jerusalem. That's what it says there at the end of verse 27. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. 600 miles. Now, it is not clear whether this Ethiopian eunuch was simply a God-fearing Gentile, or was he a convert to Judaism? Remember, the Jews had gone throughout the Roman Empire, the Diaspora, and wherever they went, they set up synagogues and they, they proclaimed their faith. And there were converts, what are called proselytes. We're not sure whether this guy was a, a proselyte, a convert, or whether he was just a God-fearing uh, Gentile. But here's what we aren't sure about. Because of his condition, according to Deuteronomy 23.1, he could never go into the inner courts of the temple. No eunuch could do that. The best he could hope for, travel 600 miles, the best he would hope for is to be in the outer court of the, of the Gentiles and perhaps offer some sacrifices somewhere and, and hope to meet with God and just want, uh, there's this impetus to want to worship God. He couldn't get into the temple. But friends, God was about to meet with this man on the desert road, on his way back from the temple. And clearly this passage was intended to encourage the first century believers that God no longer dwelt in that temple. You no longer went to the temple to meet with God. You're going to meet with God in Jesus Christ, whether in the city, in the desert, whether a Samaritan, a Jew, an Ethiopian, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your culture, your skin color, your, your even, even your, your religious background. God is no longer restricted to a people, the Jewish people, to a place, the temple, He's not like the Samaritans said, well, we we worship him on the temple of Mount Gerizim. No, no, no. Like Jesus said, you worship God in spirit and in truth in Jesus. That encouraged the first century church. It should encourage us. Back to the Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 28. We find him riding in his chariot, and he was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, I can only imagine this chariot might have had really nice rims, and it was a very expensive chariot. Put it this way. He probably took his car to get detailed every week, or his chariot. It probably was big enough to seat numerous people. He was an important man, so his whole group was around him. Air-conditioned, nice chariot. And it says here that he was reading... Look at verse 28 at the end. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. So probably what happened is this Ethiopian eunuch went to Jerusalem and bought the Isaiah scroll, very expensive, which goes with your expensive chariot. And he was reading the scroll of Isaiah. So, you know, it's, it's a scroll. And he was probably reading a version of that scroll that was written in Greek. Remember, the Roman Empire, the official language was Greek at that time, so the the Jews had taken the the Hebrew Old Testament, Old Testament written in Hebrew, and translated it into Greek, and that translation is called the Septuagint, Septuagint. If you're ever reading somewhere and you see LXX, have you ever seen that, like in a commentary? just like in the newspaper or something? lxx That's the abbreviation for the Septuagint. It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. That's probably what he was reading, and he was probably, as was the custom of the day, reading it out loud. So they would just be reading it out loud as they're going in the chariot. And that's the scene to which Philip approached. So in verse 29, what do we see? We see again the Spirit of the Lord said to Philip... Go over and join this chariot. So, Philip starts running, and he's running, and he gets up to the chariot, and he's running there next to the chariot, and we see in verse 30a, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the, the Isaiah, the, Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? So, basically, he's running. Because he's a Greek-speaking Jew, he can understand what is being read in this big scroll So he hears him reading Isaiah, and he says, Hey, do you understand what you're reading? Friends, the power of the Spirit gave Philip boldness and a heart to obey. It made him willing. The Spirit made Philip willing to go following his promptings, and that's the key for us today. I believe that's the burden of God for you today. This is the intent of God in this passage. Friends, when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, obey. This is what it means to be willing to proclaim Jesus. Whenever, wherever, and to whomever he sends you. Desi was telling me recently of a situation that she had heard from Cindy Smidgen, where Cindy was driving her van in our neighborhood and went to a shopping center, and um, she, she came upon a place that looked like an abortion clinic. And it was brand new. And so she actually walked in, and she asked the person, a woman, do you do abortions here? And she said yes. And so as she walked out, the spirit began to prompt her. You can only imagine if that were you. And quoting from the email, I asked Cindy to send me an email because I wanted to get the details right. She says, it was only a Holy Spirit thing that I could overcome my cowardice and go back into the office and talk to her. No credit to my courage or great faith. I was ready to jump in my van and leave, but Jeannie Pernia's testimony kept coming back to me. Now, let me explain to you Jeannie Pernia's testimony. Jeannie Pernia is a member of our church. She's right there, and I've asked her if I could share this, and she said, please, by all means, Al. And her testimony is this. At one time in her life, she and her mother ran an abortion clinic in Hialeah. And since then, the Lord has changed her life. She, She has a new heart. And in fact, today, Jeannie Pernia runs a pregnancy help clinic, a place the opposite of an abortion clinic, a place where women would come with unwanted pregnancies or unexpected pregnancies and they're thinking about abortion, but they're counseled and she's counseled hundreds of women and really the spirit of God has led her wonderfully. And, and catch this, it's on the same corner where the abortion clinic used to be that she and her mom ran years ago. So that's her testimony. But what Cindy knows is that Jeannie has shared what grief it gave her Today, thinking about those days. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us and redeems that. So back to Cindy's testimony. I was ready to jump in, in my van and leave, but Jeannie Pernia's testimony kept coming back to me and how Jeannie was so negatively affected by her involvement in the industry. Even though she was not herself the doctor performing these. I actually talked about, to this woman. I talked to this woman about Jeannie. And I shared about Jeannie and Jeannie's mom and, and how I was concerned for this one young woman's conscience after knowing all that they had been through. And, and I also mentioned the fact that I'm adopted, Cindy Smidgen's adopted, and that I've adopted a young girl, Lana, from the Soviet Union. Friends, this is, this is a, an average person, a mother of five children, a very busy person, who's simply listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The application points here are, 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 are many. God God works, God the Holy Spirit works by prompting us. It may not be an audible voice, it may not be an angel, but it's through his word and it's through his spirit. And You you know those promptings, right? And so the point is, when 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 we receive those promptings, to be aware of them and to obey them and to follow them. You may not ever be able to go into an abortion clinic and talk to the person working there. Well, God probably won't prompt you to do that but he may prompt you to do other things. You know, those small impressions, those promptings of love toward others, those promptings of having self-control at times, not saying everything we want to say, the prompting just not to beep the horn at the car in front of you and then realize, oh, they work in my office complex and they're parking next to me. That happened to me on Friday. So glad I followed that prompting. See, the point is, these promptings are often on small things, guys. He he makes us willing on the small things. And as we obey in the small things, being kind, being caring, thinking of others, moving away from our own little lives and and looking at others' lives, yes, it's scary, yes, it takes faith, yes, it takes courage, but oh, what an adventure, we come alive. But when we ignore those promptings, we live selfish little lives, and there's a deadening effect in our soul. Oh, God is saying, follow the promptings. This brings the mission into our everyday lives. I don't have to go to Ethiopia. I don't have to go to Mexico. I don't have to go to Cuba. I don't have to go preach. It's great what we did last night, but that's not normal life. That was a lot of work, a lot of money. Can't do that every day. But I can't just live this out and follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Are we listening? Are we willing to obey? It brings an excitement into the mundane moments of life where we're prompted by the Spirit to just read instead of maybe popping on the computer. Scrolling Facebook. Pray. Start small as God the Holy Spirit directs us in the small moments that lead to the larger moments so that we can be on mission with the gospel in everyday life in those small moments, obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He's here right now, folks. He's encouraging us, he's directing us, he's prompting us to respond in a way that pleases him. And God the Spirit is also here to enable us to proclaim Jesus. Philip was able to proclaim Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch by the power of the Spirit to enable him to understand God's Word and proclaim Jesus from God's Word. That's point two. Able to proclaim Jesus. You see, I, I want to I follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and be willing to go, but then once I get there, I want to follow the, the Holy Spirit's direction and Him enabling me so I have something to say when I get there. And Philip had something to say. Boy, did he have something to say. Look at verse 30 again. So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? I love this. Do you understand what you are reading? There's a book that I've read called Questioning Evangelism. It doesn't mean I'm questioning evangelism. It means evangelism through asking questions. It's written by Randy Newman. And, And it's just a way to understand, how can I figure out where people are at and then ask them questions that would... ask ask permission to share with them about Jesus, even asking about their lives and just showing an interest in them. And that's what Philip did. He ran up next to this chariot and he asked the question and he sat back and he watched God work and look what God did. The Ethiopian invites Philip up. You see that in verse 31? And he said, how can I? Because Philip asked, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, the Ethiopian said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. In his chariot. Now, what is Philip now going to say? How is Philip, what what is Philip going to help this guy understand? Well, he's going to help him understand an Old Testament passage. We're going to show it here on the screen. It's quoted in Acts 8, 32 and 33. But But the passage is Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. So if we could show that, please, thanks. So that's the Old Testament passage that this guy was reading in Greek, translated from Hebrew, on the road down to... Back to Ethiopia. And this is what Philip is going, going to uh, explain. In our passage, it's quoted this way, verse 32. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his, humili- in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. It's interesting. Luke, in his quote, leaves out the last line. Stricken for the transgression of my living, I believe. Yeah. So I'm not sure why, but you know, maybe that's just where they stopped talking at that point. So what did Philip do? Philip runs up to the chariot, and he's going to begin to preach Jesus from this Old Testament passage. Could you do that? Do you want to be able to do that? C- can you preach Jesus from Isaiah 53, 7 to 8? Well, let's learn how, shall we? Philip's going to be our teacher. Let's dive in and learn how it is, how the Spirit enables us to be able to proclaim Jesus from the text. So the Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip the following question. Verse um, 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Now, this text, actually, there's a broad range of suffering servant texts. It it begins with Isaiah 52, 12, and it ends with Isaiah 53, 13. It's called the suffering servant song or narrative. And this little group of of, of scriptures, of which ours is a part of this morning, has baffled Judaism for 3,000 years. They are still asking the question, the Ethiopian eunuch asked, of whom is this prophet speaking? I mean, 3,000 years after, about after Isaiah wrote this, Judaism still asks it. Who is the suffering servant? Is he the nation of Israel? Is he the king of Israel? Is he a prophet? Is he Isaiah himself? That's what the Ethiopian eunuch asks. Who is this servant who establishes justice on earth, who is the light to the nations? He's identified as the son of man. Bentley spoke about that a couple of weeks ago in Daniel 7. He's spoken of as m- Messiah throughout the Psalms in Isaiah. Who is he? Do you know? Do you know him today? I mean, do you really know him and worship him right now? That's a question I hope you answer, particularly if you're here this morning, you're not a believer. But going back to our text, John Stott gives us some helpful understanding at this point. The quote on the screen. There is no evidence that anyone in in first century Judaism was expecting a suffering rather than a triumphant Messiah. No, it was Jesus who applied Isaiah 53 to himself and understood his death in the light of it. It was therefore from him that the early Christians learned to read Isaiah 53 in this way. Philip's about to preach Jesus from Isaiah 53 because he learned how to preach Jesus from Isaiah 53 from Jesus. And we must understand Isaiah 53 in the same way. We must learn to read Isaiah 53 and the entire Bible in this way, the way of Jesus, with his interpretation and his coming as the event pointed to. One of the men that that I read about preaching when I was in seminary said this. I'm not sure if I fully, fully, fully agree with it. It's it's a bit radical in its statement, but I, I like the direction it's going to. Every text is either predictive of Christ and his redemptive work, describing christ and his redemptive work or referring back to christ and his redemptive work and obviously typically old testament you know the gospels and then the rest of the new testament this is why we did the bible 45 course so that we could understand biblical theology jesus interprets the scriptures for us we interpret scripture through the lens of jesus so how did Philip know this was talking about Jesus? Because he had heard probably Jesus himself describe himself in these terms. Look at Luke twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Luke twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus speaking to his disciples says the following, for I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, quote, and he was numbered with the transgressors for what is written about me has its fulfillment. He was quoting from the servant, servant narrative, the suffering servant narrative. How did Jesus describe his purpose on earth? Look at Mark ten forty-five. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, let me tell you something right now. This passage, though we don't, we don't understand it fully, this passage comes chock full of references to the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. Chock full. I mean, it's just overflowing with suffering servant references. People miss this. They thought Messiah would come to rule. He's saying, no, Messiah comes to serve and to suffer. And that's how Philip knew that he could begin to preach Jesus from Isaiah 53. So he starts there, and he proclaims Jesus, the suffering servant. And he went throughout the scriptures, friends. And listen, we don't know exactly what he taught him, but we can kind of imagine, because we can look at what Peter taught, back in Acts 2 and 3 and his sermons. And we can listen to Stephen's sermon and we can surmise what Philip said. But I can tell you right now, he told the Ethiopian, as it says in this text, the good news. See that? At the end of verse... Thirty-five told him the good news about Jesus. Listen, he told him that Jesus accepted God's will to die for our sins. He he, He told him that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He told him that Jesus was ascended to the right hand of the Father. He was that suffering servant. He is the light of the world. He is the Messiah that Israel has been hoping for. He told them what Stephen told the elders in Jerusalem. I see him at the right hand of the Father. And Philip told him what Peter would have told him. You killed Christ, but God raised him from the dead. And he preached repentance, and he preached faith in Jesus, and he told him that he needed to get baptized. Because we see that in the book of Acts. That's what all the preachers are preaching all the way through. So clearly this occurred, because when we pick up the narrative in verse 36... It says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here is water what prevents me from being baptized. He wouldn't have asked that question if, Peter, if Philip hadn't been preaching about all this. The spirit convicted him. He put his faith in Christ. He repented and now he wants to obey him. So this is what's happening. He's obeying the Lord. He's declaring that he obeys the Lord and he enters the waters of baptism with Philip. Philip baptizes him, and he comes out, a changed man. The suffering servant passage speaks of the power of the resurrection. And that's the power Philip most assuredly shared with this Ethiopian eunuch. And though we read in the text that Philip was carried away by the Holy Spirit, not sure how that happened. I, I like wild and crazy things. I'm just thinking, boom, he's gone. Actually, even cooler would be just to watch him go. I mean if he just disappeared, that's one thing, you know. You know, like Frodo with the little coke, you know. But but what would be really cool is to see him go poof. Like on a jet plane, but no jet plane. He just went. Whatever. Doesn't matter. He left. And the, and the eunuch was alone. But, oh, listen to the text. Look at verse 38. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way. What does it say there at the end of 39? Excuse me? Yeah, 39. He went on his way rejoicing. Because the suffering servant passage, it, it, it speaks about resurrection. And it was in that resurrection that the eunuch was rejoicing all 600 miles back to Ethiopia. Because you see, when the Ethiopian eunuch kept reading the scroll of Isaiah, after he dried himself off, after he had lunch, after he did whatever he did, he got back in the chariot and he unrolls that scroll and he he now understands Isaiah 53. He now understands the suffering servant. He sure understands a whole lot more things. He eventually gets to Isaiah 56. Please put it up on the screen. 56, 3 through 5. And here comes a promise to a eunuch. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. You understand the metaphor? No children. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, oh, friends, and hold fast my covenant, and he's just been introduced to the covenant in Jesus. I will give. In my house and within my walls, a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Here's God's promise. To one who could not have children, to one who was cursed so that he could not enter the temple, by law, the curse is broken because one hung on the tree to take the curse. This God-fearing man or perhaps proselyte who had gone to Jerusalem to worship God and who would have been denied entrance in the temple now finds entrance to God through Jesus Christ. And this dry tree, it's the description in text. A man unable to have children in the natural went home and as tradition has it, he went back and founded the Ethiopian Coptic Church, one of the oldest churches. Remember the mission presentation with Mo and Wandi? And Egyptian, Ethiopian Christians down through the centuries have called him, this eunuch, Father. And he really is the Father. Even as Paul said, You have many past preachers, but only one Father to the churches that he would have planted, like Corinth. He really was the Father. And this is the power of the gospel, friends, the power of the gospel of Jesus, the power of the suffering servant who rose from the dead by the power of God. And, oh, friends, we must, we must be enabled. We must work hard to become able to preach it. It's not enough to serve people. I want to serve people. I need to learn how to serve people. I'm a terrible servant. I'm a lazy guy. But typically when I get there and start serving, there's a joy. I mean, truth be known, I was exhausted yesterday. I'm fighting traffic driving eastbound to, to Hollywood. It's, it's like I felt, I felt like I was driving to Ethiopia. I mean, it was just like, and, and I got out, I asked my wife. I just didn't have a great attitude. My daughter was in the back of the car. Actually, she drove because I was still working on this sermon. And, 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 you know, I'm just like, oh, the points are coming together. It's a long sermon. How am I going to do this? And I just, I, I shut the door and I got out of the car. And I just, my, actually, Desi prayed for me. And I turn my focus off of me, poor Al, onto him. It, it truly is better to give than receive. That's all I could tell you. I just came home thinking, oh, that was great. And I had one other thing happen, which was you know interesting. But it was a great night. <laughs> and, I, and I'm thanking God for it. But if I would have gotten to, to Christmas near the beach and served a bunch of people... And hadn't had anything to say, in one sense, kind of what's the use? Now, hear me. We should serve people. You got that one, okay? But eternally. Friends, do you know how to preach Jesus from Isaiah 53? Oh, I pray that we would learn together. Because I forget things. So I always have to have notes next to me. Tracks. I love what Fabrizio did. He had a track. Here's the appeal, friends. The Holy Spirit directs the church in its mission. It is Jesus' gospel mission given to us and directed by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who deploys his ministers as he pleases and enables them to speak the faithful word about Jesus from the scriptures. The Holy Spirit deployed Philip to the desert. He deployed Mo and Wandi back to Ethiopia. Where is he deploying us? Where is he deploying you? The same Holy Spirit who deployed Philip and Mo and Wandi is here today actively directing us in our gospel mission, making us willing and able to proclaim Jesus. Do you believe this? And are you willing to be deployed by the Spirit and receive his enabling to proclaim Jesus as you obediently follow his promptings to study his word and then take steps of faith and courage to engage others with the gospel? Now, some of us here believe this and are being faithful and obedient and active on mission with the gospel in South Florida. I want to pray for you that you not grow weary in well-doing. I think I've grown weary recently. All this stuff that's happened with Sovereign Grace, just stuff that I'm experiencing uh, being on the board. Uh, Just Miami in general. I was in a meeting uh, with a bunch of pastors uh, uh, to reach Miami, and and it was a great meeting. It was a bunch of guys that I respect. And and, and this one guy came. It's an elder missionary statesman, and he said, I live in New York City and Miami is hard. And he just he honored us for even being here and planting and trying. And, and it's just a hard you get weary, man. You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm at. Maybe you're there. Um, I believe God wants to pour his spirit on us. He wants to encourage us this morning. But others of you, you don't believe it. You don't feel it. You're not deployed with the gospel. You're apathetic. You're unbelieving. Oh, friends, God has so much more for you. I want to pray for you to receive faith that God the Spirit